Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. So, uh, as Julian said, I've, we flew in back from America yesterday morning. So, I, we got in about, probably into our house about nine o'clock yesterday after no sleep. So uh, I'm a bit jet-lagged, but God is good. Amen? So let's, let's, get, let's get straight into this. Um, so this morning, I was uh, asking the Lord over the last couple of weeks, Lord, what do you want me to speak about? Because uh, Julian and Sarah, they didn't give me a topic or anything like that. Um, so I've been, I was like, Lord, what, 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 what do you want to say to people? And the thing that kept coming up over the last couple of weeks was new wine and new wineskins. Because I feel like there's a, there's a refilling that the Lord is going to do this morning. There's going to be a, an expanding, a change that's going to happen in this place this morning. And I just want to share a little bit from God's Word and just see if we can activate some of that change. So if you want to take your Bibles, um, turn, to me, turn with me to John chapter 2. Uh, so I did this last night. Um, so I've got no, you've, got, you've got to get your Bibles out. That's the uh, thing with about... 600 pages and two covers and anyone got one of those? Let's pull one of those out. We're going to turn to John chapter 2. So it says this, uh, on the third day a wedding took place in Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial uh, washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the water jars uh, with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Amen. Now, I'm sure everybody's heard this passage lots and lots of times and it's one of those miracles that you learn about as uh, as a child but there is just a few things that I want to pull out of this. And the key theme today is that the old has gone, uh, the old has gone and the new has come. The old system has been replaced with something new. And there's, there's a few things as Christians that we can pull out of this text. But I want to tell you this morning, if you're not a Christian, I want to invite you to new life this morning. If you don't know Jesus, if you're tired of doing things the same old way and getting the same old results, if you, if you, if you constantly have that feeling of, of inadequacy, of, if you constantly have that feeling that you don't belong, that you don't feel part of anything, that you're searching for something that you can't find, then this morning I want to tell you that there is a new life waiting for you. And that is in Jesus Christ. Amen. Is anybody awake this morning? I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you have new life in Christ. So in, in verse 3, Jesus turns to his mother 
And he says, woman, what does this have to do with me? And now, if I said that to my mum, I would probably be in for a clip round the ear. That's not how you talk to your mum, is it? No. Um, but, but what's happening here is obviously Jesus is rebuking his mum. He's saying, you know, I love you, but from now on I do what my father says. You know, what, what, what we can kind of deduce from this is that Jesus was probably the provider for this family. We, don't, we haven't heard about Joseph since Jesus was like 13 in the temple. It might be that Joseph had passed on or he's out of the picture. It could well be that Jesus was the provider for this family, both materially and spiritually. Um, and so um, when Mary had a problem, she would turn to Jesus. And that's what she's doing in this instant. You know, she's like, Jesus, we've got a problem here. You know, you need to do something. And, you know, Jesus couldn't pop down to Costco and get some more wine. You know, it didn't work like that. But she's like, Jesus, we've, we've, we've got a problem here. But Jesus says, woman, my time has not yet come. You see, when you've got a, when you've got a mission from the Father to, 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 to perform his miraculous um, purposes and save the human race, then you don't let anything or anyone get in your way. You know, and let that be a lesson to all of us this morning. If you feel like you've got a calling on your life, if you feel like you've got a purpose, don't let anybody pull you away from that purpose. Because ultimately, God's plans need to come, apart, come about. And, and, and here's the thing. When you, when you surrender completely to God, not only does your relationship with him change, but your relationship with other people changes. Because your vertical, your vertical connection is between you and God, and your horizontal is with you and people. But you see, when you, when you surrender completely to God, we stop serving ourselves and start serving others. No longer is it just about us. No longer is it what about we can get, about what we can do. You know, we need to be a witness to this world. We need to be marked with servant hearts, people that are prepared to go the extra mile, to put ourselves out so that someone else might not be put out. You know, we need to be those kind of people. And, and what, what's often true is that the more life is about you, the less happy you tend to be. You know, the more that you have. You know, the, some, some, of, some of the richest people in the world, some people that have climbed all the way to the top of their, their ladders of... Um, their careers often end up being so unhappy because what they realize is they've searched all their lives to get to that point, but actually that's not where their happiness comes from. That's not where their identity is. And you need to find an identity in Jesus, amen. And actually the people that are rich, the people that have, have got lots that are happy are ones that have worked out that it's about charity. It's about giving. It's about serving others. And in Galatians 6, 10, uh, it says, let us do good to everyone. Therefore, as we have, we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You see, what, what, what I don't really like about that passage is if you translate that in Greek, everyone literally means everyone. You know, how many people want an asterisk there? You know, I, I, you know I'll, 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 I'll love everyone, but, you know, that person over there that, that, that left the church in a bad way or that person over there who slandered me or said that behind my back or said this about my family, you know, I don't really want to love them, God. But actually, right here, he says, love everyone. And, 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 and Jesus is saying this morning to you, just be kind. 
Focus on that. Just be kind. You know, sometimes we can get all caught up in religious, you know, we've got to do this and we've got to say that, you know, we've got to, you know, got to bash people with the gospel. We've got to do this, we've got to do that. But actually, if you don't do it in kindness, what's the point? If you don't live kind, if you don't live through kindness, if you're not a vessel of the kindness of Jesus, what is the point? And actually, what I said in the first service is that when we act in kindness, when people don't expect it, we break down walls of skepticism. You know, how many times have you you've been out with your your um, unbelieving friends, and you know you've you've bought them you've bought them dinner, or you've you've gone round when they were when they were hurting, and they've gone, well, I didn't expect you to do that. You know, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to do that for me. Or when, you, when, when someone's sick and you take them a meal or you take them out for coffee when they're feeling low and you listen to them. Actually, when you, when you start to perform acts of kindness when people don't expect it, it breaks down skepticism towards the gospel. It breaks down skepticism towards Jesus because fundamentally, people think that Christians are about their own, their own thing, about their own programs and about their own beliefs. But actually, we need to show that we have belief in Jesus and that means that we extend it to each and every person around us, amen? So let's see if we can act kindly and break down that scepticism. Break down that scepticism in our workplace. How about in your workplace? How many people have these, these places of work where everything is doom and gloom? You know, everyone's always moaning because something's always wrong. You're always moaning about how terrible a place of work it is, about how, you know, the system's rubbish or this doesn't work. Why don't they change this? This line manager's terrible. And I've been in places of work like that. And I guarantee you, if you're in an office full of unbelievers, that will, that will probably be the climate for a good portion of the year. It's scepticism. It's, it's negativity. And I wonder... If you change your attitude, rather than joining in, because it's very e- that's the easy way to, to go about things, just to join in and be like, yeah, do you know what? It's rubbish. But actually, if you turned your attitude around and said, do you know what? Okay, maybe that's true, but you know, let me help you with that workload. Let me help you with that. Let me lighten your load there. You know, why don't we go out for a drink later and have a, have a good time? Or why don't we, you know, and, and actually, if we start to shift the atmospheres of our workplaces, shift the atmospheres of our schools, shift the atmosphere of our coffee shops by bringing positivity and kindness and the love of Jesus radiated through us, how about we might change society? And here's the thing. When we have Jesus, we also become ambassadors of the gospel. It says that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we become ambassadors of the gospel. And, and the thing is, wherever you go, you're an ambassador. That means you represent the kingdom that you come from wherever you go. You know, when, when, uh, when you have a, a political ambassador, you know, they may be in, you know, they, they, they may be in, in, in Spain, but if, if they're from England, they're an ambassador of England, they represent that country. And that means wherever you go, you are an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Whether we're in the EU or not, you're still an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Whether you feel good or you feel bad or indifferent, you're an ambassador of the kingdom of God, which means wherever you go, you're showing people, you're demonstrating Jesus. People are looking to you because you're an ambassador of your faith. You know, I had a a very fraught um, debate with somebody yesterday on Facebook because they were saying I couldn't, you know, vote a a political way because of my faith. You see, that guy knew that I was a Christian and he was judging me based on my faith. So every time you post something, every time you say something, every time you do something, people are looking at you because you are an ambassador of the the God in which you serve. So this morning, I want to tell you that you need to be carrying Jesus in a positive way. You need need to be reflecting the the best attributes of God because they're all good. But sometimes we allow ourselves to become God And our own attributes will shine through bigger, you know, mammon or or greed or lust um, or or whatever it may be for you. You know, we need to make sure that Jesus is front and centre because you are carrying him wherever you go. 
But here's the thing. There are no spectators in the kingdom of God. There are none. You know, we're all running the race. None of us are sat in the stands. And actually, Jesus was frequently present in all Gospels socially. In all four Gospels, Jesus is socially present. You know, he was not a recluse. He was not a hermit. He was not unnaturally religious. He was not sat at home saying, oh, I can't go out because uh, I might get dirty or people might indoctrinate me or I might, I might uh, lose my faith if I go to the pub or I might lose my faith if I go to that wedding because people will be drinking and that'll be really bad for my faith and my Christianity. I can't do that. I can't go out. Now, Jesus was there. When Jesus was invited, Jesus turns up. And actually, Jesus got invited quite a lot because people liked being around Jesus because Jesus was kind of fun. And Jesus had a warmth about him that people were gravitating to. People didn't know what it was. They didn't know necessarily. People didn't know that he was the Son of God. In fact, most of Jerusalem were waiting for a saviour, but they missed him because they were waiting for something that wasn't new wine. They missed him. They missed the boat. But they still, there was still something about Jesus. There was still something about him that made people like, actually, I'm going to invite Jesus around to my house for tea. I'm going to invite, I'm going to invite Jesus around for a, for, for a chat. I'm going, to, I'm going to invite him to my wedding. I'm going to invite Jesus to my bar mitzvah because he's just really cool. And there's something about Jesus that when he comes to situations, he seems to make them better. He seems to turn them around. He seems to change things for the better. And, and, and today I want to ask you, are you inviting Jesus? Are you taking him with you? Now, I tell you, there's some people that need to know today that if you don't invite him, he will probably still turn up. And I mean, I, know, I understand that he's omnipresent, but Jesus might turn up in your situation when you don't want him to. You know, there's some people like, I don't want to, I, I, I don't want to be a Christian over here. I just want to just, just be, I just want to, you know, keep myself to myself. But actually, Jesus will probably turn up eventually. But I'm telling you today, if you invite Jesus, if you extend that invitation, Jesus will be there. He'll be there on the front row. And he'll start to turn around situations. And that's exactly what he did at this wedding. And, and Jewish, Jewish weddings were absolutely epic parties. They would go on for days. There would be drinking. There would be food. There would be celebration. There would be, part, there'd be I don't know if there'd be party games. There might have been party games. There might, there might have been party games. So, that, so he's here in Cana, and, and I tell you, Cana is it's a kind of small place. It's, it seems really, relatively insignificant. It's not mentioned a great deal else. And, you know, Jesus is saying to you this morning, he's going to turn up in the insignificant. Jesus is going to turn up at your small little thing that no one cares about. Jesus is going to turn up there. In your little office where there's three of you, Jesus is going to turn up. In your classroom, Jesus is going to turn up. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're insignificant, because Jesus will be there. So... Uh, the thing about these weddings is if you run out of, if you ran out of wine, it, pe- people would start talking about you behind your back. People would start saying, well, those guys, they ran out of wine. They would slander you, you know. And actually, there's a religious spirit in the body of Christ which says, when somebody fails, let's talk about them behind their backs. And I'm going to break that off this morning. And you know who you are. And, I'm, I'm, I, you know, you might not be in this room, but there is a religious spirit that when people fail, the first thing you do is go, oh, I knew that was going to happen. I could see that happening. You know, and actually, when we do that, we empower the lie and, and, we, and we, we, we grow it. And, and this morning, I want to say, rather than celebrating in people's failures, let's start celebrating in people's successes, church. 
And when, do, when people do make mistakes and when, pe- when stuff does go wrong, let's be there to come alongside them and go, like, I'm, with, I'm here with you. I'm here with you in your failures. You know, this time it might not have gone right, but next time is going to be a success. Anyway, that was, that was a side note. So we, we, we've, we've not called to be unnaturally religious. We've, we've not been called to, to be that person that says, I'm not going to come to the party because people will be drinking. Well, you, you've not been called, you, you know, you, you've been called to be where people are. If you're not where people are, how are you going to get anybody saved? If, if all your social circles are people from church, who are you going to convert? Because they're already converted. You know, and I, I've always said like, you know, I want at least 50% of my friends to not be saved because actually, you know, okay, I'm going into, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, just, I just know that you can't, you can't bring people into the light unless you first go into the darkness. And some of us aren't prepared to venture into there. And this morning, maybe if the only thing you take from this message is that in order to bring people into the light, you have to first step into the darkness. And don't be worried because Jesus is still inside of you and he is what the light of life. So don't worry about the darkness. The darkness can't overcome you because he is greater that is in you is greater than that is in the world. Anyway, so the, ne- the next point I want to make is that Mary, she turns to the servants and says, do what he says. Do what he says. And when we believe in Jesus, when we, when we put our trust and our faith in him, there is a very simple new direction for our lives. And it's this, do what he says. Do what he says. And, and sometimes you're going to say, Josh, well, that might not make a lot of sense. That might be difficult. Some of the things he says in scripture, I don't want to do those things. You know, sometimes he'll speak to us and we'll be like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. You know, sometimes we don't understand what God's up to. But still the answer is do what he says. You know, I'm just going to trust in the midst of my situation that God, you have got this in control. I'm going to trust that Lord, you see the end, even though I can't see it yet. You know, obedience is a really important thing to the God of the Bible. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's an essential thing. You know, God is not interested in your begrudging submission this morning. He's interested in an experience that's finally going to make you alive. You know, but some of those do what he says might be confusing to us. You know, some of those do what he says, they're not going to make sense. But some of those do what he says are going to be exactly what we need to do to fulfill our destiny. You know, God rarely reveals the whole plan. Have you noticed that? Rarely does he tell you, right, you're going to do that, you're going to do that, you're going to do that, and then that's going to happen. You know, he didn't turn to those servants and say, right, fill the water jugs up and then there's going to be wine. He didn't say that. He just said, go and fill them up. You know, and so many of us are not even prepared to pick the jars up and go and fill them because we're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen when I do that, God. I don't want to do that. Who knows what will happen? What are they going to think of me if I do that? You know, God said to Joshua, you need to cross the River Jordan into the promised land and Joshua goes to God, but, but Lord, the tide's up. If we go in there, we're going to get washed away. We're all going to die. And God says, go on then. And he goes, but God, I can't do that. You're going to kill all of us. What are you thinking? And he goes, go on then. And it's at that moment when Joshua dips his foot in that the river stills 
and they cross into the promised land. You see, some of us are not even prepared to put our foot into the river. And actually, that act of stepping out in faith will cause our situation to change, our, our, our view to change, and things to turn around. And some of us need to step into that river. You need to take that first step. You need to take that step of faith and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you no matter what the situation. I'm going to trust you even if I look ridiculous. Even if it hurts me, Lord, I'm going to step into that river and I'm going to cross it. And, and I just want to encourage you today, step into that river. You know, when we walk into the place of the unknown, we, walk, we step into a place where the power might flow. You see, if Joshua had never stepped into that river, they never would have reached the promised land. And how many of us are 10 years behind our destiny because we've still not crossed the river? We've still not crossed the river. And you're going, Lord, why am I still here? Lord, you told me I'd have this great ministry. Lord, why haven't I got a husband yet? Because you've not stepped into the river. And here's the thing, church, you can expect the Word of God to clash with your desires. You know, it might clash with your hobbies. It might clash with that football that you want to play on Sunday mornings. It might clash with some friends that you have. It might clash with what your family members want to do. It might clash with your employment opportunities. It might clash with your bank balance. But actually, the Word of God is 100% true, always. And, and the Word of God is, is to call out the best in you. God's, God's purposes are always to, to bring you into a higher calling. And actually, how much more infinite and all-knowing is God than we are? You know, sometimes it doesn't feel right, but actually, we, we can be like small children, and when you tell a small child what to do, they go, why should I do that? I don't want to do that. Why would I do that? What would I do that for? And, and, and you tell the child again, I'm not doing that. But actually, that's like us. You know, sometimes we're that small child, and we're going, why, why would I do that? But actually... God knows far more than you do. He's seen far more. You're just a speck of dust in the span of eternity. He's seen far more. He knows far more. But expect the word to correct you. Expect the word to move you. Expect the word to change you. It might not suit your agenda. And you know, God says you need to do money this way. You need to do sex this way. You need to do marriage this way. You need to do family this way. And we go, but God, oh, you, you've got to get into the 21st century, God. You've, got to get into the, you've, got, you've just got to have skinnier jeans, God. Like, come on, dude. This is the 21st century. And we start to pick and choose the bits we want about homosexuality, about sex, about, about, about life. And we, we start to say, well, let's just pick these bits and these bits because these bits suit me and we'll, we'll kind of stick to that one, but we'll kind of phrase it differently and see if people don't notice. And actually that is a preposterous and it is an arrogant view of scripture. We need to keep the word as the word. As Julian said, we need to put it on the top shelf and that's where it belongs. That is the standard church. Anyway, so this is my, my third key point. So we need to... We need to look in verse six. And Jesus says, fill, 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 the, fill the jars with water. And, and, and these jars, right, they were not table water jars. These were massive urns. And they were used for the ceremonial act of, of cleaning, of making people clean, like a sanctification type thing that the Jews would do. You know, in those days, if you had a fault or you had a blemish, 
that made you unclean in the eyes of God. That's what, the, that's what the, the Pharisees were teaching and they would use this ceremonial cleaning to make someone right. But you see, some people were so unclean that regardless of what they did, they would still be unclean. You know, you, if you were a leper or if you were a, a prostitute, they'd say, well, there's no hope for you. You've chosen that path now and that's, that's it or your, 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 your father sinned, so that's why you're like that and there's no hope for you. You're unclean. But Jesus in the act of using these purification jars to turn water into wine, is transforming that old model of sanctification. Because no longer were you sanctified by by a ceremonial washing. You're sanctified by wine, which represents the blood of Jesus Christ. And when that blood was shed for you, that washed away any sin that you could ever possibly have. And no longer are you unclean, you're made clean in his sight. You know, Jesus took those ordinary mundane jars used for ordinary purposes and turned them into something extraordinary for his kingdom. You know, and this morning, some of you are sitting there and you're like, well, I'm just so boring. I can't do anything cool. Like, Jesus isn't going to use me. I have a desk job for eight hours a day. I go home and I watch Bake Off and then I go to bed. And then I get up and I have Kellogg's cornflakes and then I go back to work for, a night, for eight hours a day. And then I go home and I watch Hollyoaks. And God's saying, your life might seem mundane. Your jars might seem pretty plain. But when you offer them up to God, let them be filled by the power of his Holy Spirit. Just see what he will do. Just see what he will do. You know, and, and what was amazing is that this water, they took it and it became the best, 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 best wine. This is wine that you can't buy on the shelves. This is wine that you couldn't buy for a thousand pounds a bottle. This wine is priceless. This is the best wine you could ever, ever taste. You know, it was filled to the brim, it says. I love that it says that it was filled to the brim. It was overflowing. And I'd like to think, I'd like to think that if they invited another 5,000 people, Jesus would have made sure that that wine didn't run out because that, that wine was just overflowing. It's overflowing with goodness. And I tell you this morning, if you allow yourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then you will overflow the fruits of the Spirit. You will overflow so that everyone around you can see the goodness of God because it, it will permeate from you. It will just overflow it will come out of you everywhere you go. But there's, there's a thing that I need to highlight is that Jesus had a problem with those who are, are focused on moral cleanliness. And this is specifically, he constantly addressed the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees because they, they seem to think that being right in the sight of God was about process and it was about, you know, doing the right things and keeping the rules and... and uh, you know, if you were, un- they, you know, they said you were unclean if you were, had a sickness or if you touched someone that was sick or if you were promiscuous or if you were a tax collector or if you were not a Jew even. You know, they said you're, you're, un- you're unfit to come into the presence of God and there's no way that you could come into it unless you did these, these, these kind of things. And, but Jesus is saying this morning and he was saying then that, 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 that I'm replacing that with celebration, I'm replacing that with joy and I'm replacing it with the best wine. I have cleansed you. I have made you new. I will take your dirtiness and replace it with my cleanliness. You may not deserve it, but I'm giving it to you anyway. So he rebuked those Pharisees. He, you know, he, he described them like a tomb. You know, that the outside is all pretty with flowers, but the inside is like dead man's bones. It's, it's dead inside. 
you know, and, and, and we can spend our whole lives trying to prettify our outside. We can try, you know, spending our whole life looking at influencers on Instagram or looking at our, our, our sister or our brother or our mum who was like this and they're so great. So we're going to try and elevate ourselves on the exterior to make ourselves look great. But actually on the inside, we're dead. We're dead inside. And the Lord says, I don't care about your exterior. I care about what's on the inside. But here's the thing, church. When you start to fix what's on the inside, the outside starts to look great too. Have you noticed that? That when you start to to focus on the great things that God is doing inside of you and you start to remove some of those things that maybe are causing an obstacle or you start to forgive those that are offending you and you start to to, to look at what God is doing, that the outside of you starts to change, that your your disposition starts to change, that the atmosphere around you starts to change. So he says to them, you've got it all wrong, Pharisees. God is not interested on the pretty on the outside. That's not a currency that God accepts. You know, you can't get to heaven by having a great exterior. You can't say, well, Lord, I've got this charity that I set up in my name. I'm giving all this money to it. You know, Lord, I I help my neighbor down the street and I've got a lovely family that I lovingly care for. I cook for them every night, Lord. I, I take, I, I pick up the old people in the community, and I do. You can do all those great things, but if you have not put your faith in Jesus Christ, useless. Useless. Do those things too, but get Jesus first. And what, what becomes apparent in the Gospels is that Jesus doesn't need to touch anyone to heal them. You know, there's, there's, there's times where people come to him and that Jesus, my daughter's sick, and he heals them remotely. You know, and, and, and that is true. But what's also clear is that Jesus still chooses to touch people, even though he doesn't have to. And I think that actually humanity needs God's touch. It needs to feel God's touch. And, and, and part of Jesus doing this is, is for that reason, but also because he wanted to teach the Pharisees something. And, and, and the, best, the best example of this is we find the story of, of um, who we believe to be Mary Magdalene. And she is at the feet of Jesus and she's washing his feet with her, her perfume, which she's probably spent all of her money on, and she smashed this thing over his feet. And she's washing his feet with her hair. And the Pharisees are there, and they're looking at Jesus like, dude, if you knew who this person was, you would not be doing that. Like, you, you need to step away, mate, because she's, she's bad news. She's not good. Do you know how this is making you look? Anyway, the... Jesus at that moment, he speaks to their thoughts. You know, how scary is that? Actually, I find that kind of comforting because sometimes Jesus will speak to people that don't even know him yet. He has the ability, he has the ability to do that. So we can pray for people that don't know Jesus yet, that he would speak to their thoughts. Your unsaved spouses, your unsaved brothers and sisters, people at work, you can pray that Jesus will speak to their thoughts because he can do that. Anyway, he speaks to them. And he says, what she's done is beautiful. And then he goes on to say that there's two men with debts, one big debt, one small debt. Both debts get cancelled. Who is the more thankful? Obviously, the one with the big debt. And he says to them, what, when she touches me, it doesn't make me unclean. It makes her clean. And Jesus is saying this morning, whatever, whatever you've done, however bad, 
He's going to touch you and he can take it away. And, and he's saying as well, if Christ has already touched you, then you're made pure in his sight. So don't let anybody tell you because you've fallen, because you've missed, because you've messed up, that you, you, that's it now for you. You're still pure in his sight. You've been made pure. You know, G- Jesus is reaching out to us all this morning and he, he's saying, I just, I just feel like there's, there's people, there's, there's single parents in this place this morning or there's people that act like single parents that carry the whole weight of their family, that are tired of doing everything by themselves, that are just so tired, so weary. And Jesus is saying this morning, come and get filled with living water. Come and get life again. Come and get filled with my Holy Spirit so my wine may fill up inside of you and that you may overflow with the fruits of the Spirit this morning. And he's saying, if you've run out of wine today, maybe your jar is empty Maybe, maybe Jesus needs to fill it again and your situation will start to turn around. And he's going to turn that into something beautiful. He says, stop trying to do it the old way and getting the same results. You know, some of us are like, well, Lord, nothing's happening. Lord, this has been, I've been in this financial problem for years now. Lord, I've been having this problem with my son or my daughter for years now. My marriage is still broken. Jesus is saying, you need to get a new wineskin this morning because I can't pour the new blessing into something that's useless. You need, you need to be reskinned. You need to grow. I need to do something in you before I can do something for you. How many of us are waiting for tomorrow's blessing, but we haven't, we haven't, you know, we haven't grown yet. You know, some of us have been waiting for years for a breakthrough. And all that God's been waiting to do is for you to grow a little bit and and pick up that new wineskin, grow into something new. Because it says in, uh, in Matthew's gospel, neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. Because if they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins. You know, God's saying, you're not ready to handle what's coming yet. You're not ready to handle what I'm about to pour into you. You've got to reskin. You've got to step up. You've got to do something. You know, you've got to allow me to, to grow you. You've got to be malleable to the gospel. You've got to be malleable to the word of God so that I can do something new inside of you. You know, God is doing a new thing. We say this a lot. We say this a lot, but actually God is always doing something new. God, God never does the same thing twice. He's always moving from glory to glory, and so should we be. And actually, if, if, we're not, if we've stopped moving from glory to glory, which I feel like sometimes we can, it's probably because we've stopped allowing God to change us, because it doesn't suit us. It doesn't, it doesn't fit with our ideas. It doesn't fit with our safe little bubble that we've made ourselves. And, 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 and this morning, we maybe have to get a little bit uncomfortable. We may have to become a little bit stretched. We may have to be, uh, you know, I, I like to think those, those urns that those servants moved, they were probably really heavy. But those things would have weighed a ton, especially when they were filled with water. You know, and, and, and you might have to do some heavy lifting in your life this morning. You may have to, to dig deep and take out some of those things that are a little bit uncomfortable or some of those things that, that might hurt a little bit that you've grown accustomed to. You might have to have a little uh, furniture rearranged in your heart this morning. And then maybe God will be able to do something new. I think there's people here this morning that are still living off the blessing from 10 years ago and haven't even begun to think that they need to, to, to change and, and maybe God will do something new. Maybe you need to change up your wineskin because your old one's about to burst and he's not going to put anything in there because you're not ready to handle it yet. So this morning, I just want to, I just want to pray. Because if, if we don't let him change us, then we're going to miss the best for us. We're going to miss what he wants to do through us. I don't want to be that person. I don't want us to be that church that misses what he's doing. I don't want to be that church that misses the boat.
So let's, let, let's bow our heads and just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we just ask that as we come before you right now, Lord, that you would fill us with your living water. Lord, from the bottom of our feet to the top of our head, would we be filled by the power of your Holy Spirit right now, right now. You know, there are people here this morning that have never experienced the touch of Jesus. You've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just pray right now, Holy Spirit, come afresh. Fall afresh right now, Jesus. And Lord, as we do that, would you cleanse us by your blood? by your wine, the blood that was shed for us on Calvary, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would cleanse us by that blood. Lord, where we've done things wrong, Lord, we, we offer up, uh, 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 we, we ask for forgiveness, Lord, right now. We ask, Lord, where we've, where we've messed stuff up, where we've done things the, right, the wrong way, Lord God, I pray that you would forgive us right now. And Lord God, where we need to step into that river, Lord, where we need to have a, a, a faith um, and an obedience in you, Lord God, I pray that you would give that to us right now, that you would grow our faith, Lord, that you would cause us to step into that river. Even if what's in front of us looks choppy, Lord, even if we have to step out of that boat into the waves, Lord God, I pray that you would calm the storm as we do it. Lord God, I pray that you would begin to shift our circumstances by our obedience right now, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that you would fill us anew. Lord God, I pray that you would do a new thing, that you would move us onto those things that have been prophesied over us, those things that people have said about us, Lord, those things that you promised us. Lord God, I pray that you would start to call them into the existence by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, I pray that you would change us so that we would be ready to receive that blessing. Lord, you would change us. You would remove obstacles. Lord God, you would remove our own convenience. Lord God, you would make us uncomfortable for your glory. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would begin to turn around our vision so that we would be less focused on ourselves and more focused on others. Lord, I pray that we would radiate your kindness. We would radiate your goodness, Lord God, that wherever we would go, people would see your glory in us. Lord, that people would invite us to parties because we're so full of your joy. People don't know what it is, Lord, but Lord, you do. And Lord God, I pray that people would be drawn to that. And Lord, that you would begin to speak to the hearts of those around us. Lord, I pray that we would shift the atmospheres in our schools. We would shift the atmospheres in our workplaces. We would shift the atmospheres in our families just by carrying you with us. Lord God, I pray it because it's your will and we believe it is done in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.